Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. MCC is a non-denominational country-style church, just a short 20-minute drive from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org. And now, here is the message from Sunday morning at MCC. I, uh, I so appreciate this church. There's so many wonderful things going on. God is moving in our midst and doing many, many, many great things. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for our worship team. Aren't they beautiful? They lead us in worship and praise the Lord. I'm so very grateful for Beth and her ministry and her teaching and how she can bounce a baby on one knee and keep that going, and she's such a blessing. Beth was leading a Digging Deeper yesterday, and this place was full, and people were eager, and anytime she puts her name out there and says, I'm teaching, everybody wants to flock in. And I was looking at her list. She had a bunch of people signed up for her stuff, and I looked at my list. Hardly anyone signed up for my stuff. She's, she's just so popular. It is so great. We've got war rooms started. We have uh, ministries beginning, and uh, we're next uh, Saturday. We were being invited out to the uh, Sutina Nation and uh, going to start training war rooms out there. So uh, we want you to be praying for that, that it all goes well. Uh, community groups are starting up. People are coming to the Lord and being saved. There's a lot of marvelous things taking place. And that doesn't even count Friday night with youth. Anybody show up for that, for the movie and Faith Like Potatoes? Boutine, I love Boutine. It was wonderful. And, and then we raised some cash, and if you missed it, you can still donate to them so they can go to youth convention. It's all great. God is doing marvelous things as we dig into his word and learn more about his will and start following it by faith. This uh, sermon series that Beth and I are working on and is uh, just turning out better than I thought it was going to be. It's all about so that you can believe in Jesus. And Beth and I have been covering several events throughout the life of Jesus Christ, and we're going to do that all the way up to Easter, and you can imagine what we're going to culminate with when we get closer to Easter. But uh, in so doing, we have to leave out a lot. This is the abbreviated Reader's Digest version because just there's just no time to cover everything Jesus did. But Paul, uh, Jesus, uh, John wrote in his gospel that what he shared in his gospel was enough so that you may believe. And that was the goal of all this, so that we can come to believe. Uh, in the parts of that I've been presenting, I've uh, emphasized that you need to um, come to repentance and then uh, be born again and to receive that. And we've learned that. We've learned that believing isn't just intellectual assent. It's an act of faith. And uh, it isn't that you work up the faith or something like that. If you would surrender, confess, and repent of your sins, that you are given the gift of the Holy Spirit and you're born again. And with that, 
and the placement of the Holy Spirit inside of you, God gives you faith, believe it or not. It's something you make. It's something God does within you. And it starts making changes. And there are several who have uh, taken up that challenge recently. And uh, when you talk to them and say, yeah, things are changing. God always works from the inside out. There are important steps towards belief, and there are barriers to belief as well. And uh, you might be surprised at what blocks people from believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, today we're going to consider a unique event in the life of Jesus Christ as he begins his ministry of miracles, signs, and wonders. This comes after the message of repentance and being born again, which is the first message he picks up right after his baptism with John the Baptist. He's preaching repentance. His disciples are baptizing people. And now begins miracles, signs, and wonders. It's important for us to look at this. Um, Not as important as these truths for those who would believe. In fact, miracles, signs, and wonders They can be a barrier to belief, believe it or not. They can prevent people from coming into the kingdom of God. Let me share with you one of the largest objections to the belief in Jesus as Savior, our Lord of our lives. And the objection, as I have heard it many times, various ways, is simply this. If God is a good God, why does he allow the innocent to suffer. I remember uh, being in uh, Minneapolis and uh, sitting next to a guy after a church service and asking him about it. And he said that was the one question that kept him from believing in Jesus Christ. And I said, well, if I could answer that, would you receive Jesus Christ as your savior? And he said he would. And then he did. Every human being, are you a human being? Every human being, including me, wonders where God is when life is hard, and especially when it takes a horrible turn. Our faith takes a real hit when we come to some dark conclusions. There are dark events, but darker still are conclusions that you make about those events in your life. And this is a dark, dark conclusion. If God allows evil and pain to exist in this world, he is powerless, is either powerless to do anything about it or he is not good. And there are a lot of people whose faith is wrecked on those rocks and they stopped and have been prevented from receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I believe in Jesus Christ because his life and ministry recorded in the Gospels, uh, recorded so that we can believe, answers this question, and it uh, answers all the charges we make against God. There's an old barrier to belief, and it goes back to the very, very beginning of humanity this has been in place. If God is a good God, why did he put the snake in the garden? Right? Yeah, that's right. So we've always been asking this question from the very beginning. The question of wondering why God allows suffering is the same, is the entire focus of the book of Job, if you want to read it, in the Old Testament. Yet the real answer of suffering and God's response 
is not revealed fully until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he really answers it. God does not answer the difficult questions. Well, I mean, he does answer those difficult questions, but he answers it in a way that you might not always like the answer. I often have people say, I want God to answer this question. Then I say, but are you willing to accept the answer? Yes, I find most people, when they create a belief uh, or an understanding of God's goodness and how they deal with pain and suffering, they set it up that God needs to answer the way I want him to answer. But the answer may not be something you like, but it can be an answer. God often answers my prayers. In fact, he always answers my prayers. And sometimes the answer is no, John, no. Sometimes it's wait. I hate that one but I gotta wait. And then sometimes it's yes, right now. God does answer the difficult question, but that does not mean we're gonna like it. That's all right, because God can handle our objections. He can deal with us with grace. He can take all the time that we need to deal with the questions we have, but can we have grace with God while he answers the questions in our own life? Will we know the peace and wisdom of God in our life and will we be willing to accept what Jesus reveals to us? We find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke today. We're at Luke chapter 5. If you want to turn in your Bibles, I appreciate it. And you can color code it and underline it all you want. It's Luke chapter 5. We consider the story of the healing of leprosy, sickness, and paralysis. And yet, even though this is, seems to be the focus of this passage, it is not the main focus of this study, but we're going to see what it's about. And the main focus is about believing despite sufferings. And we're going to pick it up at Luke 5. And I'm going to work on my way down to 16. While Jesus was in the, one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus ordered him, do not tell anyone but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news spread about him to all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Leprosy is an infectious disease that's caused uh, disfiguring uh, skin, sores, nerves, damage to arms and legs, and skin around the body is caused by a slow-growing type of bacteria that gets into our system. They didn't know what that all was, they just knew the effect of that, and people who had this disease were often quarantined and isolated from the community because how it created a really debilitating experience. However, leprosy is actually not that contagious. It is contagious by the exchange of fluids, but you don't normally catch it from other people just by being around them. You can only catch it if you're close and repeated contact with the nose and mouth and things like that. 
There's an estimated 180,000 people worldwide who are infected with leprosy. In biblical times, it was almost universally believed, especially amongst the Hebrew people, that only God can heal. Only God could heal such a thing. Even the king of Israel, to whom the king of Syria sent his general, uh, Naaman, for healing, remarks, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to be healed with leprosy? And I thought, I'm not God. God heals. Why are you coming to me about this? It is today, though, that you can take a pill. You take it for a series of months, for extended period of time, and eventually it'll kill the bacteria in your body, especially if you're a young child and growing up when, when you're most, and you can be cured of leprosy. But it's going to take a good year or more to overcome it, but you just take a pill a day. Now, this is a very good illustration about believing back in the days of Jesus and today, because you have two options. You could let God heal you, or you could take a pill. And many people would say, I would rather take a pill. It's more reliable. It's almost guaranteed that I'll be cured of leprosy. But could you be cured in one day with one touch? Because that's what happened here. Despite the advancement of science and everything else, there is no doctor in the world that can cure you in one day with one touch. God always cures. But there are some people who feel like, I would rather science do it. Why? Because science is non-judgmental. I just go to the doctor, I tell them what my problem is, they give me a pill. There's a pill for everything, right? How many of you are taking pills on a regular basis? Oh, look at you. You're all pill believers. <laughs> Solve all your problems. There's a pill for everything, isn't there? And if there isn't, they'll invent one. They'll come up with one real quick. And, and so we take pills rather than walking by faith because we have that option. But we also like it because it's non-judgmental. There's no commitment, no act of faith. I just take the pill, I get better. And if I don't, I sue, I get rich. So it works one way or the other. Pills are marvelous. But it is God that heals. The difference in our life is that no one delivers like God delivers from something. His miracles are unmatched in this world. The difference is that we find pills reliable and less judgmental, and we'd rather have that than the miracles that God provides in our life. And yet, I believe medicine's around for a very good reason, and it isn't by accident. A lot of medicine began with hospitals that began with the Christian church, where we began to look at the wonder of creation and how God made it. And I believe God has provided all this information about who we are and how we operate and we discover it. And the further on we go in our research and our study and we're down to our DNA now, we're discovering that we're a whole walking encyclopedia of codes and information. And it's all by the design of God. It's not by accident or some chemical pool that it all takes place. But the missing point here is not whether you're healed, but what you're healed for. We often want to be healed from something. And we take pills and do everything. Have you ever wondered what life is like on the other side of that? Sandra and I just journeyed through the battle with cancer. Grateful for every doctor that worked with us, for all the nurses, for all the chemicals and everything else that we went through 
and uh, the great battles and the comfort and the prayer support. And we were, Sandra, it came through that and she is delivered, the doctors tell me, from cancer. But what is she delivered for? What is life on the other side of that great battle? Sometimes uh, our goal is just to survive, just to get there on the other side of it. Then what? I remember Sandra and I looking at each other on the other side of that, and we're on the other side of that great battle that we just went through in the last year. And then we looked at each other and we said, now what? Now what do we do? We, we left our church, left our business, left our family, moved up here to do all these radical things to make sure that she lived. Now what? And we discovered that Sandra was healed for something. And here we are. In There's got to be a purpose. And you won't find it in a pill, will you? You won't find a purpose in a pill. Unless there is healing from the Lord, there is no really lasting healing for something. There is so much wrong with the idea that God is not good, that he is unable. I want to begin to address where that is. I'm not even sure where to begin, but I want to begin with what I believe based on the word of God and what I've experienced. One thing I believe above all is God is the only one who can heal. I really believe that. God is the only one who can make us clean. I've been a pastor for a long time. I've visited many people in many hospitals for many health problems and many different challenges. I know for a fact that people are never really healed by doctors. They're, they're cut, they're patched up, and uh, they're given medications, and then they say the words, this should do the trick. And uh, the common expression, and I've got members of my family who have been nurses for many time, have been around the medical profession a long time. It is a practice, which means they practice. <laughs> you are a guinea pig. Well, let's try this. Let's see if this works. And if you've ever been through that kind of thing, you know what I'm talking about. Well, it doesn't work like you say. Well, it doesn't work for everyone. We'll try this now. Well, we'll just... And down in the States, you make a lot of money practicing because you get to charge every time you do it. But no matter if you recover from a certain disease or have a problem, guess what? This is depressing news from a pastor. Someday you will die. Sandra asked me, she said, when do I know that I'm cured? You know what my answer was? When you die of something else, then you're cured. Cancer no longer can take you. I'm not very good at pastoral care, you can tell. Not very comforting at all. But I, I, I find a lot of people in a crisis mode, they'll say, if God will just answer my prayer, if God will just heal me of this, if God will do this, then what? What's it for? Because in the end, any miracle, any wonder, any sign you received today, tomorrow, and the next day is temporary. It's here and then it's gone. It will not last. There is something far more important that needs to take place that will last where God's healings last. Now I'm telling you that because as a preacher I got to let you know I'm not a pie in the sky guy. I've started out my ministry even as a child. I remember carrying a child's casket to the grave as one of my friends passed away. I've carried my best friend and buried him into the ground. 
uh, a fellow minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ who died in a horrible accident. I've uh, buried uh, good friends and professors of mine and camping buddies of mine. Matter of fact, a lot of my camping buddies die. I don't know what's with that, but he passed away of leukemia. My mother died of cancer. I've seen my plenty of death and sorrow and grief. I've seen what disease does, and yet I believe every one of these things I'm telling you, that the only lasting healing is in Jesus Christ. God is the only one who heals because when he heals, you never die again. You live forever, and you are made clean, cleaner when you, than when you first came into this filthy, decaying world. Jesus is willing, the second thing I believe, to heal and cleanse us. The, the leopard called out, if you are willing, Lord. And Jesus said, I am willing. And we wonder, will, can't, will he, can he, will he, is what we wonder about God. And Jesus answers, yes, I'm willing. I'm right here. I will do it. He is able and he is willing. I believe with all my heart that Jesus wants every person free from the consequences of sin, which is separation from God and a physical death. He wants all of us in a state of youth, health, and free of disease. Do I look youthful to you? Do I look healthy to you? No, I don't. And yet that's where he wants me to be. And he is willing. He wants me free of pain and suffering he is willing to make this happen. He even died on the cross to make it happen to those who believe in him as the Son of God and repent and are born again. Now, Pastor John, how can you say these things? Because the reality of what you are compared to what you say, because this is what I believe and will know one day. I will know this. Um, have any of you got a, an old vehicle? Sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm a preacher. We, I've driven a lot of beaters in my life. We used to call them. We also referred to them as exercise of faith. We would lay hands on the car, pray over the batteries. Many times been in a parking lot trying to change alternators and generators and doing all that kinds of stuff. I, I've, I've had plenty of beaters and I'm you know, but at some point, mechanics will look at me and say, John, it's going to cost more to fix this than what it's worth. I heard that a lot. And so I just pick up another beater. And a lot of people, as they go through life with sickness and health and face the challenges of this world, they just want to fix up the beater they've got. Just patch me up, doc, put me together, send me out. Could it be that God has a better plan than for you to drive this old beater around for the rest of your life? Is this body of mine going to get any better? But it's going to need a total renovation. And it is God's plan and Jesus Christ to do that. God does not favor, I also believe, one sinner over another. We are all equal sinners <laughs> in the eyes of God. So it isn't that someone earned their healing or their forgiveness or their salvation. It isn't because you did something horrible that God is punishing you worse than someone else. You are all equally bad in God's eyes. 
You aren't any worse than somebody else. But you're no better than someone else. It's a great communist thing. It's, we're equal in standing before God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if God doesn't heal one person with a miracle or sign or wonder and does heal another person with a miracle and sign or wonder, it doesn't mean that the person who got healed was better than the person that didn't get healed. Do you understand that? And what they got was a Band-Aid. Have you ever worn a Band-Aid? How long do they last? Trevor, hold your Band-Aid up. There it is. He's got a Band-Aid right there. They're not meant to be there forever, right? Ultimately, you need a healing, and that healing is in the resurrection. And finally, I believe that healing is a private matter between you and Christ. Unlike some television ministers, which someday maybe I'll grow up to be one, I don't know, I believe that healing is a private matter. It's between you and Jesus Christ. The fundamentals of healing are not in convincing Jesus Christ, Jesus, you got to heal me, because Jesus is already willing or trying to be good enough because he can't. It mis makes no difference to Jesus, your moral standing. He, you, the, the leopard cried out, if you're willing, and Jesus says, I'm willing. It is not a problem. The question is trust. Are you willing to trust him despite sickness, pain, and suffering? And that's what faith looks like. This is a private matter between you and the work of the Holy Spirit within you. This privacy around health and faith is why Jesus told the leper, now I don't want you to tell anyone. This is between you and it's between me. I want you to go to the temple and present yourself to the priests confirm and as a witness to them that you have been healed by God. Of course, when you get good news, it's kind of hard to keep it to yourself, isn't it? And it created a problem. And Jesus in this next part of this passage had to deal with a problem created because this man couldn't keep it to himself as a private matter of faith. So this is where we pick it up and we look at the next miracles that we're going to get. But then we're going to look, now, I want you to understand, I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. God has used my hands to heal people, and I've seen incredible things. And I could tell you all about it. But I also know the dangers of miracles, signs, and wonders. We need to make sure that it is the gospel of Jesus Christ and a right relationship with the Lord and a growing faith, despite all things, is what we are seeking for our healing above all things. Jesus went on to this next point about the barriers of miracles as we look at 5, and we're at uh, verse 17 in this section now. One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there, always like that group, who had come to the, from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. So it's a convention. And the power of the Lord, the power of God was present for him, Jesus Christ, to perform healings. I don't know if you've got that. 
And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him, Jesus Christ. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and then let him down through the tiles in the roof with his stretcher. Glenn would have a heart attack. That would be no good. And into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus, seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were watching Jesus Christ ever since he started uh, preaching repentance and uh, started, his disciples were baptizing people in the Jordan River wherever he went. Then he started to have a crowd following him, and they said, oh, okay, let's just keep our eye on this guy. So far, so good. Because they wouldn't have bothered with Jesus if he hadn't drawn a crowd, but he was starting to draw a crowd. And after he healed the first guy of leprosy, and he didn't keep it to himself, the crowd grew, and they were coming for miracles for their diseases to be healed. They weren't coming for a pill. They wanted a miracle. And he was healing. The power of God was present for him to heal and to do that thing. Miracles were happening, which John does not mention nor describe what those miracles are. He just says they were happening. The only one who tells us about what is going on is John Jules' story of this man through the roof. There were a lot of miracles happening that day. Amazing things, wonderful things, holy things, and people were rejoicing God. And John doesn't write about those. He writes about the man through the roof. Jesus is set up to perform a spectacular miracle. There he is, paralysis right in front of him. Very dramatic scene. Man descending into the room by friends. The experts watching. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, making sure he doesn't do anything wrong. The paralyzed man watching in hope, will he or won't he? And that is what we all are thinking. Will he or won't he? The question on everyone's mind is, can Jesus heal this man? Is Jesus willing to heal this man? And Jesus, seeing their faith, what is the faith he sees? Can he, will he? In his ability to heal, they say, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Seeing their faith, that looking at can he and will he, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The challenge was to the faith of the people in that room. They wanted him to do another miracle, another sign. And Jesus wanted to take that moment to say, it isn't about the miracles. It's about forgiveness. The Pharisees watched that and seeing all that, didn't quite like what he said. If you come to the Lord and you have the kind of faith of where you're always asking, will he, can he, will he, can he? You're going to have a rough life because you'll be going to the basket for more band-aids when what God wants to do is give you an everlasting healing. It's the kind of faith that you have. Are you reaching for a band-aided experience? Are you always wondering if Jesus can and will do something in your life and wondering why he doesn't or is not willing? Are you ready to embrace and reject him based on what he does or does not do from day to day? Is that the kind of faith 
that Jesus sees in you, like he saw in the room of people that day. These very same people, as the years went by in the three-year ministry, performed many miracles, even raising the dead. And when Jesus reduced it down to forgiveness and going to the cross, they all left him. Signs and wonders isn't going to build your faith if you aren't willing to repent and make it about forgiveness of sins. John chapter 4, verse 48 says, Unless you people see signs and wonders, he says, Jesus told them, you will never believe. So they put down the condition, oh, give us a sign and wonder and we'll believe. And what they will believe in is temporary until they need another sign and wonder. I need more insurance with all that. Matthew 12, 38, 39 says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them and said, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. The trouble with the ministry of signs and wonders is that people quickly lose interest in repentance and being born again. Who wants that when miracles are happening and so powerful and so generous? The signs which are proof that Jesus can and will do miracles became more important than the message that Jesus began his ministry, which was repent and be born again. And Jesus knew that that's what would happen. Jesus knew that people wanted to have what was broken on the outside fixed, but they wanted to ignore what was broken on the inside, where their heart and their soul is. They wanted Jesus to do all the work on the outside, and they were not really interested in humility and entrusting the nature of godly faith. Right after the story of the woman of the well, there's an encounter with a religious leader who was uh, asking for more signs. In John 23 to 25, it says, Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, was not entrusting himself to them. He knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Those who seek signs and miracles and wonders and think it's a great thing and desire after it are often fickle, adulterous, and temporary in their band-aid seeking. There will never be enough signs and wonders for an unbelieving heart. The quest for an even greater proof of the claims of Jesus through signs and wonders led them to nail Jesus Christ to a cross. And then they shouted, Physician, heal yourself. If he's really the Son of God, let's see him get out of this one. People will push it all the way to the cross. But they didn't get it. Because Jesus didn't come to us to perform miracles. He came to heal us on the inside forever. All he wanted to know is, can he, will he? You're going to miss the point. No matter what Jesus Christ does, he cannot win us if that's all we're interested in. A physical healing, a cash windfall, and even cheating death will not fix your problems. Do you believe that? Because your problems are not really health 
money, and death. That's not your real problem. You might think it is, but it isn't. Our real problem is not wanting God's will and a day-to-day relationship with God guiding, teaching, and directing our path. That's our real problem. We want health, money, and a long life so we can do what we want to do. And that is sin. Why would Jesus Christ want to enable us to be better sinners? We can accept miracles from Jesus Christ, but we don't like his judgments. In Luke chapter 5, we're going to pick it up again at verse 21 in this section. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason and saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or say, Get up and walk? but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up their stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them. He picked up what had been lying on. He went home glorifying God. And they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen a remarkable thing today. But did they hear the remarkable thing? What they saw, a paralytic was healed. Isn't that remarkable? What Jesus wanted them to hear is, His sins were forgiven. Which is more important? That paralytic was going to die later on, sometime in his life. More importantly, when your sins are forgiven, that's forever. And you'll never die and know a new life in heaven. Trade up this old model for something better. That's what he was really given. But it is the nature of human beings to like the temporary over the eternal, to like the concrete thing I can touch rather than the act of faith of believing. Jesus showed them a miracle that was amazing. We wonder if Jesus can and will and perform a miracle and give us a sign. Here we have this, we see his motive in giving us the signs and miracles that he does give, and he does. They're not given to enable more sin. Jesus is far more interested in us believing in him by faith than just getting another miracle. He has the authority on earth to forgive sins of those who repent. That's his main point. And Jesus shows them the miracles so that they will believe. And while they will talk about forgiveness of sins, that's what he wants. And that's not what he gets. What he does this, they are amazed in the miracle of what they have seen. Not the words he has asked them to believe in by faith. And so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. You need a miracle. We all do. Would you agree? But it's not something on the outside that's going to break later on, fall apart, and be buried in the ground at some point. We need a miracle inside. Deep inside us. We are dead in our spirit apart from God. 
Jesus doesn't want to just give you another sign and wonder. He wants to make you into a sign and a wonder. He doesn't want to heal and fix something on you. He wants to make you the source of healing and fixing in the life of your life, in the life of your family, of your friends. He wants to place his spirit in with you that will spring up and flow out and touch many lives. He doesn't want to patch you. He wants to heal you inside and make you a source of healing to other people. Have you ever been in the presence of a person who has a healing presence? You just like being with them. They walk in the room and you just feel like everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. God is with us. Someday I'm going to be an old man. Unlike Bill, I'm not old yet, but someday I'm going to be an old man. And I've done this for others, but someday when I'm old and I'm in a a bed and I can hardly breathe and I start getting that death rattle in my throat that I've heard so many have, some young preacher boy is going to come and hold my hand and tell me everything is going to be all right. And I'm going to want him to comfort me as my body begins to fail, to tell me the old, old truth that those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and put their faith in him shall never die that they will live forever, that there is something far better waiting for me on the other side. That's not if that day will come. That day will come. I guarantee it. It's going to come to me. And at that moment, and I've seen many people at that moment begin to wonder, can he, will he? And we all need reassurance. He can, and he will. I want that healing presence in my life. Wouldn't you love to be a source of that? To be the one that says, he can and he will and he has. If you would just let him fix what's eternal inside of you, what's temporary on the outside doesn't really matter much anymore. I started out by telling you that I've had many friends and family uh, die and some in horrible accidents and some to diseases and for a variety of reasons. And it was with sorrow that I have said goodbye to them. But not in complete sorrow because my goodbyes are temporary. I've got a big hello party waiting for me. There are a lot of people up there way ahead of me. And uh, they watch what I'm doing here on earth, and sometimes they roll their eyes at my antics and who I am. But they encourage me, and they build me on. The scripture says that there is a great cloud of witnesses, do you remember that one, that are watching, and they are cheering us on, and they are saying, it's worth it. Hang in there, right to the bitter end, right to the death's door. Don't quit until your body quits, and then you'll join us, and you'll have arrived you'll have finished well. But that's only if you're healed deep inside. Can Jesus do that? He can. He will. He wants to. Absolutely. And once that happens, what happens on the outside really doesn't matter that much. Paul said to live gives me a chance to preach the gospel. To die is to gain heaven. I can preach healing on the inside, and someday 
I'll reach the glory of heaven. And I want you to all look me up. When you get to heaven, I'll look much better. <laughs> I hope you recognize me <laughs> in my resurrected form. But ultimately, that outward fix is waiting for me, but what really matters is the inward fix first, right? Jesus came to perform all these things so that we would believe. But don't let all these miracles and signs and wonders keep you from believing what you need to believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? Can God? Yes. Will God? Yes. Does he? Yes. Absolutely. But he isn't a puppet. He isn't subject to your terms and conditions. He has a purpose. You need a miracle. We all need a miracle. So if we could just stop asking Jesus Christ for another proof or of his claim over our life. Instead, could we just give your life completely over to him and to his control and to be born again through repentance? He wouldn't just give you a miracle. He wants to make you a miracle. When the sinner is forgiven, the blind see, the lost are found, and there is no end of evidence that it is good to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Savior, and Lord of all. Would you stand with me? I want to talk to the Lord. Lord, uh, our prayers are many, and there are some here today who are crying out for a miracle. They are desperate. They don't know what's going to happen unless they get it. They are afraid because the barrier that is before them is so great, they can't imagine what happens after. Lord, I can imagine it. By faith, I believe that you would give them a miracle so they can do something, for something, to put their faith in you rather than the fear that they have. Lord, we're praying that today that you would grant the request that there would be miracles right now, that you'd begin to move in a mighty way, but so that they would come to believe in you and put their trust in you. For, Lord, for every giant that goes down, there seems to be a bigger one waiting for us. Lord, I just pray that we would all become to believe in you are greater than any giant that comes. That we'll get in the habit of believing that you can, and you will, and you have. That on the inside, faith will be born. Confidence in you as we repent of our sins and realize we're not worthy of your grace of miracles and signs. We have no right to ask for them, but we want to be changed on the inside. So, Lord, today, do a miracle in our midst. Begin to touch hearts, move in minds, change us from the inside out. We invite you in, each one of us, just where we are, to do amazing things. And, Lord, if there is a big, bold boulder in the way and we don't know how to blow through it, we pray, Lord, that we'll join together put our faith in you and ask you to do this simple thing to remove the boulder, take down the giant, save us from the lion's den, whatever it might be. For God is fighting on our side. And he can, and he will, and he has. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. God bless you. As always, if you ever want to talk and pray, ask for a miracle in your life, we'll be up here after the service, us and the elders, and you're welcome to do that. In the meantime, go home and don't go into a snowbank, okay? God bless. 
you'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. We are a Christ-centered church with all kinds of opportunities to reach out to the communities. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available. We are a non-denominational evangelical congregation, so all are welcome. Thank you.